Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone, no matter where you are watching or listening to England is Burning for Thursday, the 29th of April, 2021. Yes, we're on on a Thursday. We made some little schedule adjustments to account for uh, Arsenal playing their their uh, infamous game in hand game uh, this, this past, uh, well, actually yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yesterday. Hope you're all good out there. Uh, we have Josh back. This is your Arsenal weekly feature. By the way, we have Josh back from the Islington Gazette to talk to us about the demise of the WSL, the most uh, short-lived sports league in the history of all sports in the world and the universe ever. Uh, and then we're going to talk, get into uh, the actual sport itself that we really should be talking about. So, Josh, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me as always. All right, Josh, how you doing, man? Are you doing good? All good. Yeah, all good. All right. It's been, uh, good. It's been, a, good, it's been a good week of... If you're working on, on Arsenal women, it's been a good week for the fans. Uh, absolutely, yeah, it's been a great week for the fans. I think uh, the fans really, you know, showed, uh, you know, showed their collective voice uh, at the end of the day, uh, all across, uh, all across Europe, uh, trying to get back at the uh, the evil empire, the galactic world football empire that. Senator Palpatine Florentino Perez was trying to create <laughs> down in Madrid, um, you know, and he's probably the worst spokesperson ever for a sports league. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, talk about somebody who was out of touch with reality um, and so forth. So, Josh, when you heard the news that, you know, basically the, you know, the galactic European football empire was was essentially going to die within two days of its birth. Uh, <laughs> what what was what was your reaction? Well, obviously it was the it was it was the Tuesday we recorded uh, our right. last well with me on on the Tuesday afternoon and we were talking about it and I said, look, it would be a, be a horrible idea and, and and it would kill kill football, which I still believe it would. And then about. I don't know about five hours later, before Chelsea Brighton, we get uh, mm-hmm. a statement saying that Chelsea are ready to pull out. And when it came, when I, when I saw that, I, I, it was only a matter of time really before I think a lot of clubs started to started to pull out. And uh, obviously, Man City followed. Then you had Manchester United, and obviously Ed Woodward resigned as well, the the, the chairman. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously finished with Liverpool and Arsenal and I was obviously delighted that it was it was finished um, it was never going to work but it showed me that football supporters still have a lot of say in, in the game uh, and still have a lot of uh, you know credit that with like the, the saying goes and it's again it's a cliche but football without fans is nothing and that's it's factual it's 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 completely true Um so yeah, obviously delighted that it's not going to work, but I still honestly believe that those six clubs should be punished because okay, it's over and there won't be a, a European Super League this year, but their intent was was still there. And yes, it wasn't the players and it wasn't the management, but the owners have still got a lot to answer for, and they've been as quiet as a mouse saying, "Well, they were as quiet as a mouse even when it was announced." that this European Super League proposal was planned. And then even now, I mean, <laughs> they haven't said a word and, and it's still and still, all isn't forgiven. I mean, Arsenal-Everton in the Premier League on Friday night, um, there was obviously protest about Stan Kroenke, the, the owner. So Arsenal fans won't forget it. Manchester United fans won't forget it. Liverpool fans won't forget it. Chelsea fans won't forget it. You know, Manchester City fans won't forget it. It's not these owners can't hide because the the fans, okay, they're not in the stadiums right now, but yeah, they'll not forget this happened. And I don't think any of the other clubs in the Premier League will forget this happened. Uh, if you're looking at the likes of the Leicester Cities, who are third in the Premier League and having a great season, they obviously weren't part of the proposals. But and and I said last week again. Arsenal got beat by Everton on Friday night, uh, and the, and they're they're not even in contention with the top four. So what made the right and what made them think that they could get in the European Super League? But look, it was it was great for football that it it, it, it they finished it and, and they've scrapped the proposals. But we'll see what happens in the future because this certainly isn't the the last that we've heard of it, in my opinion. 
Well, you know, Senator Palpatine, Flores, uh, Flor not Flores, uh, Florentine Perez, you know, attempted to do a red wedding of uh, European football scenario. Uh, you know, for those Game of Thrones fans out there, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and it didn't come off. It didn't work. Um, and you brought up a lot of very good points, and a lot of very interesting points. But let's talk specifically because you are a supporter of the Arsenal women's team. So let's talk cool. specifically about Arsenal. Now, so with Arsenal... Now, what I've asked all of my contributors is this question. It's like, and I forget if our, actually the owners and executives of Arsenal, the Cronkies, you know, I forget whether or not they actually apologized or what kind of statement they said to the fans. To be fair, to be fair Arsenal, Arsenal did apologize, and that was a okay. that was mm -hmm. that was a difference between Arsenal's statement and everybody else's statement. Arsenal mm -hmm. actually did have an apology in there, which I guess is fair enough, and and. They're the only one of the Premier League clubs that did. I thought some of the statements were pathetic, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. I, I they were. They were I, awful. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were pathetic. Um, but yeah, Arsenal did apologise that they had the cojones to, to do that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's still not really enough. Okay. And so what would be enough then, Josh? Because, you know, and, and because, I mean, and I know you can't speak of all fans uh, of Arsenal yeah. women's team, but but what would be enough for the owners and executives of Arsenal to re start rebuilding that trust, that bridge that almost just got all burned up? See, from an Arsenal women's perspective, Arsenal women weren't consulted on it. Mm -hmm. And this sort of goes into the, the men's side, which, I'm, as, as you know, I'm not an Arsenal men supporter. Um, so it's, it's a difficult question for me to answer that because I don't support them on a men's side. And the, obviously, a lot, I know a lot of their fans want, want them to sell up, um, which, is, which is completely fair. Um, but if, if it was a Sunderland perspective, okay, I'm just, like, as you know, I'm, I support Sunderland on the men's side. So... I'm going into my own personal. If, if it was a Sunderland perspective, then and Sunderland wanted this, I would want the Sunderland owners to, to sell and, and just to leave the club because they left the club in a very vulnerable a vulnerable position. And there was no thought about the club. It was just thought about their own pockets. And that's what frustrates me from the Arsenal situation, from an Arsenal women's perspective, is and it's the exact same with every single one of these women's team in the WSL, Manchester City, Chelsea, Manchester City, Arsenal. I feel sorry for those fans because the women's teams just weren't consulted at all. And okay, the men's teams weren't really, but they had sort of they had more of an effect on it than, than what the women's team did. And the women's team were sort of just thrown out to the wolves and said, Alright, we don't really care, which is really sad. Um and they were an afterthought, like I've said before, like women's football in this whole thing was just a complete afterthought. And Joe Montemurro said that in his press conference um, on Friday, yes, before the Brighton game, he said it was an afterthought as well. So if a manager of a women's team saying that, well, I think that says it all. Mm -hmm. I mean, it certainly does. Uh, there, you know, there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of news stories out there about you know the Cronkies don't want to sell. They've made statements. You know, Stan Cronky himself has come out and said you know he doesn't he's not planning on selling the the club anytime soon. Uh, you have a gentleman, I guess the person who who owns Spotify, who runs Spotify. I think his name is Eck or something. Uh, he's come actually come out in the media and said that he he's got the money, he's got the funds. He's going he wants to put a proposal together and so forth um and so and you know he wants to bring you know he's got the backing of some you know former men's players you know legends on the arsenal men's side so it is a lot going on but at the end of the day um you know arsenal was part of that so one of the things that you brought up was some type of some type of consequence some type of punishment for you know the six clubs in england I mean, maybe all two, maybe the dirty dozen the whole 12 of them that yeah. were involved what kind of what kind of consequence, what kind of punishment should be laid out? Because you said yourself, the, the managers were not consulted. They're not at fault. The players yeah. were not consulted. They're not at fault. And the staff and the, on those clubs who work really, really hard behind the scenes to make the club run and to keep it operating and moving forward. They had nothing to do with this. This was like an ivory tower red wedding thing where it was just planned out yeah. by a bunch of people in a zoom meeting. Uh, and you know, so, they're not at fault. So how do you? What's the punishment then? 
yeah, it's it's very very hard that because obviously people were saying strip titles and, and strip cups and stuff, but see, I I I think that would be very very hard to do anyway. But if they did do that, I think it'd be I think it would be really harsh on those players and, and those clubs because, like we've mentioned, the players, the managers, and the staff didn't have anything to do with this. It was the owners. So the owners are trying to wreck that football club. So it's very, very difficult. We can say fines as well. Like my own, I would probably say a fine, but it needs to be a, it needs to be a huge fine. It can't be one, two million because the class be honest with you, Keith. <laughs> one, two can, million. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they can That's fast, lunch. They, they can, <laughs> That's yeah, their lunch. These players, the, those owners could find that money behind the back of their sofa. Right. So mm-hmm. it needs to be really big and it needs to be heavy that they'll sort of that they'll realise that alright we have done wrong here you know what I mean so again it's a really good question Keith and it's a brilliant question I'm not sure because it's it's, it's such a difficult situation and I'm not legally minded um, mm-hmm. I don't I'm not you know what I mean so I would say a fine but it needs to be a very very heavy fine because like, like we said if it was if it was one, two, three, four million, then those owners just said, "All right, that's fine." Like that's like like I said, they can find that money behind the back of their sofa. So, yeah, um, I would probably say fine. But in terms of stripping titles, I don't really agree with that because like it's nothing to do with the clubs at all. Well, titles were earned on the pitch, um, so by the by the players and staff and coaches. Um, so you know, I you never want to take away. Uh, you know, things that haven't actually achieved in, in sport, you know, the whole issue or, well, not the whole issue, but the big issue I had was the lack of sporting merit uh, that they think people were just going to be in the super league in perpetuity, regardless of sporting merit that you couldn't earn yourself into it. Uh, You couldn't get relegated out of it. So no matter how good or bad you were, it didn't matter. You you just, you know, in you, no matter how good or bad you were in your, in your, uh, league competition it didn't matter because you know you couldn't get into this uh into the club uh you know at all so you know so to then punish those clubs for by taking away something that had already been earned in sporting merit somewhat would be somewhat be from an ethical morals perspective a bit you know hypocritical uh so then it now just comes down to like money and business matters which is what this really came down to to begin with yeah. uh, the other thing i thought about josh and, and i'm not sure it really applies to the women's sides but it might it really might is the idea of the other clubs in europe the other clubs around the world who didn't were not involved in this who were really angry also you know, will they want to continue to do business in the transfer market, business in general, with the the teams that tried to to dump them and move on? Uh, uh, you know, yeah. you know, you know, because I think there's a lot there's trust issues there. I'm like, who's gonna who wants to do business with another club for transfers and things like that? Uh, that you can't trust that they're just gonna dump ship and and run away. And because I don't think the Super League is necessarily dead. It, it, it's you oh, know I, I mean you know as long as Senator Palpatine, the Emperor of Real Madrid, uh, is still talking, um, then you know then it's not dead. Uh, I mean it's interesting the the news in Spain is the people in Spain were not as mad as the people in England about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know and they weren't trying to burn down the stadium or anything like that in Spain. You know <laughs> uh, over it. Um, and I'm not saying anyone is trying to burn anything down in England either. But my point is is there, there weren't these mass protests on you know uh, Emirates Stadium and at you know at uh, Chelsea or at or at Old Trafford yeah. or at Carrington any of those places. So. Who's going to do business? Who wants to do business with with Arsenal and you know and with United and uh, you know Chelsea after all this? No, that's a great point. I, I know what you're saying, but again, there's another saying that says money talks, uh, and and these other clubs, if if a player if they, they have a centre forward and, and Manchester United bid eighty million for it, will they do business? I think they will, to be honest, because. They're getting eighty million out of it, and and I, I know and I, I completely understand what you're saying, but these clubs are all about money as well, and right. they weren't and they just but weren't invited into it. Here's my thing, because see, you know, you obviously 
the the team that I support, I'm wearing the shirt for, and they got two stars on their team that two Premier League teams that were in that six yeah. want to have two of them at least, right? If not more, but two of them that we know of, right? Yeah. And there's always that, you know, that uh, that kind of underneath the table kind of thing about, you know, kind of sticking an additional fee on to English players or in, an additional fee, uh, you know, tr- uh, you know, in terms of what you're willing to sell for uh, to the English sides because they're bigger and they got more money. That's where your punishment comes in because that's where the market comes in play. You know, it's like the market always wins. The market always wins. Yes, money talks, but the market talks even more. And so, you know, just be like, yeah, you know, we're going to make it a little bit tougher for you to negotiate. We may still do business with you, (laughs) but we're going to pop another 20 mil on top of that, you know, for that player that you want so badly, you know, because you're trying to appease your fans, right? You're trying to appease your fans. And one of the things that appeases fans, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how, what you value is, oh, you know, what you do in that transfer market that's coming right up. So we're going to punish you. Add another 10 to 15 mil on top of Jaden Sancho, for example, you know, uh, yeah. and so forth. We'll see how that rolls because, you know, you try to you try to stick us, you know, you try to do a yeah, prison yard probably. thing. Uh, so that that might be the punishment. The market may be the ones to actually punish these teams more than you wait for in FIFA, uh, because any because any uh, sporting organization that gives Qatar a World Cup, you know, is not a good sporting organization. All right. So I, I, I they should. I'm sorry, y'all. I got to do this again. Qatar should never, ever, ever, ever host a World Cup. Russia should never, ever, ever host a World Cup. Why? Because they bribed everyone to get it. All right. All right. That's not sporting merit. That's just bribery. It's crimes. People are in jail right now because of that, (laughs) by the way. All right. And, oh, oh, by the way, in Qatar, the labor that they use. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's not cool either. That's that cool. Uh, that's modern slavery. So no, Qatar never. Okay, sorry, I had to go on that editorial rant. All right, so we should now switch before I get in trouble and they shut me down uh, because who knows how much the Russians uh, run internet. Um, so uh, we should move on to football, right? Sorry, Vladimir. Sorry, Mr. Putin. Uh, you know, don't shut me down. Okay, so let's get to the football. Arsenal, women, Josh. They're yeah. on an absolute roll, and the thing that, it, and we spoke, uh, um, you know, pre-recording, we offline. That you're working on something for your, uh, for your, um, for the Gazette there uh, about the defense because I was like, just looked it up, and I was like, wait a minute, seven clean sheets in a row now in league competition. You add the FA Cup competition to that, so you make it eight clean sheets uh, on the bounce for uh, Arsenal women. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, man? What do you think about um, that? Always think that they always say that defense is the best form of attack. Um, I think, and it's been a massive, massive platform for Arsenal um, over the recent good run. The defense has been, oh, it's been excellent, really. Um, and it hasn't conceded that many chances either. Um, it's been, it's been very, very solid. But what impresses me most about it is Arsenal haven't had, they've, they've missed two key centre-backs in those games as well. Obviously, Leah Williamson was injured. She's back now. So, And then Jennifer Beatty's been out injured as well. So, Leah Valti and Lotta Wibbenmoy have played centre-back together for quite a, a lot of those games. And Valti has played centre-back before, don't get me wrong, but she's usually a centre-midfielder. So, for her to come back in and play centre-back and to be that solid is a testament to her. But Arsenal... I've just been, been really comfortable at the back. And what makes it sort of more impressive as well is Joe Montemurro likes to rotate goalkeepers. So Lydia Williams, Manuela Zinsberger. I always feel, to be honest with you, that that could unsettle the defence. You know, you've got one goalkeeper playing one game, then another goalkeeper, and you're like, sort of a goalkeeper, as you know, it's it's for me it's the most difficult position on the pitch because it's got the most pressure. If a striker makes a mistake, they put they put it wider over. If a defender makes a mistake, they've got a goalkeeper or another defender to bail them out. If a goalkeeper makes a mistake, nine times out of ten, it's in the net. So, the, for the defense to be so communicated to do to two goalkeepers, yes, Arsenal do play the 
the same way in games. Um, but Zinsberger is probably better with her feet than Williams, and Williams is probably is 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 a very good shot stopper. So, for the example against Brighton on Sunday, Zinsberger played because Arsenal wanted to overload and sort of try to play through Brighton. Where in West Ham, Arsenal were expected to control the game completely, and Williams was in nets for obviously a shot stopping ability because West Ham would have chances. So. I think that's one thing that really impresses me, the change of goalkeepers. that uh, That's something that I always find very difficult. It's one thing I find strange with Joe Montemurro, to be honest. Um, is I don't really think I've seen a manager before who rotates goalkeepers so much. Uh, and I think that makes it impressive as well. Uh, but then again, you've got the fullbacks doing their job, Keaton McCabe, Leonie Meyer, Anna Patton. It's just... It's like gel at the minute, and every single one of the back four have a good understanding of what one another is going to do. Um, so yeah, look, it's been a testament. And then obviously, if you're keeping clean sheets, and, and, and at the other end, Arsenal have been taking their chances lately. So yeah, look, it, it it bodes well for the future. Just a little bit disappointing. Obviously, Champions League spot is in Arsenal's own hands, which we'll come into. But it's a bit disappointing that the defence didn't gel like this sort of at the at first half of the season because who who knows what would have happened. Yeah. It, the, the, it's it's really impressive. I mean if you look at the opponent's XG in all of the you know all of the matches, I don't have the one for West Ham, but I assume it's gonna be less than zero, uh, which is the name of a pretty decent movie in the eighties, by the way. But um so like against uh, when the run started, which was after Chelsea, you know the XG of what the what Arsenal has conceded, zero point four against Aston Villa, zero point two against Birmingham, one point five against United, zero point nine against Tottenham, zero point one against Bristol, zero point four against Brighton, uh, and so forth. So, uh, and and in in looking at West Ham, I assume that's going to be less than less than one too, you know. So it's really not giving you know not giving up any chances. Is a lot of possession over sixty, at least sixty percent possession, if not seventy percent possession of the ball, uh, you know, in those matches um, and so forth. But yeah, it is very interesting and in, in, about the rotation of, of goaltenders because I, I've never seen a manager do that. Actually, I'm not as versed in the in the game as you are. So when you're telling me you haven't really seen managers do that, um, I'm like, yeah, I haven't even seen it either. And I and I I, I I'm going to trust your eye test on that because you watch a lot more than I do, but, but it's really interesting. But I think you answered my question that I had on the top of my head and I'm sure that people listening at, which was what reason does Matamero have to uh, make those changes? And it sounds like from what you're saying, it's tactical that it's, you know, based on, you know, the ability of the that yeah. particular goaltender with, in relation to the opponent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely the opponent. If you, if you look at the games where Zinsberger this season, I mean, no game is bigger than each other, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But Zinsberger has played in the, the probably games that there's going to be most high pressure in. Lenny Williams did play against Manchester City away in, De- in December, but I think that's because Zinsberger was going through a really a pretty poor patch. She was making errors, and I think it was sort of if Zinsberg hadn't made an hour away to Man City, which was at that time the biggest game of the season, then you know her confidence could have been completely shot, and that would have been a disaster. So Williams did play against Man City. She also played against Chelsea at Kings Meadow, but again, I think that was because of how Arsenal wanted to play against Chelsea. If you look at Arsenal Chelsea matches, like we've spoken before, Arsenal have more possession. Than Chelsea in those games, Chelsea are more clinical. But Williams played in that game because I think that obviously the shot stopping ability. I think Joe Montemur regards regards it as a better shot stopper than Zinsberger. But Zinsberger's better with her feet. So Zinsberger against the likes she played the Man- the Manchester United games, the two games. But most recently, um, when Arsenal, you could argue, did take control of that third place with the win at Meadow Park. Played Zinsberg in that game because again, try to overload Man United and try to play out wide. So Zinsberg is very much setting off those counter attacks. 
uh, with their feet. Zinsberg is very good with their feet. Their distribution is brilliant. And a lot of people, a lot of Arsenal fans this season on social media have criticised their time, saying uh, shots stopping a bit. Zinsberg has been very good over this run, over this eight-game run against Brighton on, on Sunday. There was a time that she got caught outside the box. And if that had gone in, that would have been her first error since I actually can't recall. Because I think she has been very, very solid. And luckily it did go wide. She didn't obviously kept clean sheet against Brighton. But Zinsberger is very much a confidence goalkeeper where Lydia Williams is experienced. Like she's very experienced. and There's a seven-year much... age difference between the two yeah, and experience. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> yeah. And, 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 Zins, and Williams is, is a top-class shot stopper. Last night against West Ham, I mean, West Ham didn't have that many chances and I think it showed Williams quality uh, Anouk Denton who's on loan actually from Arsenal she crossed she crossed it in this is when Arsenal were 2-0 up so she crossed it in and Martha Thomas headed it and I thought that's a goal but Williams got a cross goal to make a reflex save and I think that's a sign of a top class goalkeeper she could have had a deck turn in the newspaper for the, most of that game but she was called into action once and she made a great save so that's why I think it'd be interesting to see who plays against Everton I actually fancy Zinsberger to play against Everton because I think that Arsenal will want to control, obviously, the game and they'll, they'll want to play through Everton. And I, that's why I think Zinsberger will play. Watch watch Williams play now and make me look like an idiot. <laughs> but I, I fancy Zinsberger to play on Sunday just because of that tactic. Yeah, you you're not wouldn't be the first football pundit to uh, to make a wrong call. I make wrong calls all the time, <laughs> thinking like, yeah, I know something that people don't know. Uh, but you know, but uh, at the end of the day, it's Matamera that makes the uh, that makes yeah, you know, the, the, the team sheet at the end. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point. I mean, one is a one is a really good sweeper keeper, and the other one, you know, is is your kind of standard kind of old school goaltender. So. You know, yeah. it depends on kind of what you want to do. But again, I mean, you got to give credit then. I mean, I think you have to give credit to the defense and not be unsettled by the switching, the switching and chopping and changing uh, of goaltenders in the back. Uh, so because there's a lot, obviously, then would be a lot of maturity there. And also, uh, you know, I'm sure both women want to be the number one goaltender and neither of them really have been the number one goaltender. And so, and, and I, I could see in a lot of other teams that causing some friction, but it's almost like these uh, these two kind of understand their role. They understand their place, uh, you know, you know, and, and that's that's really good personnel management. If these two goaltenders who are both could be number one goaltenders on any squad uh, can be like, OK, I, uh, OK, I get it. I know where I need to play and how I need to play. And, and, and you know, depending on the system we want to run and who our opponent is, OK, I'm going to play and not play. So um, so it, that's really been a lot of credit. And maybe that's something that that um, and that, you know, in looking at, you know, Joe, you know, leaving at the end of the season and I've seen a lot of players coming out saying, hey, you know, he really has done a lot for us. He's really a lot of the players, you know, come out and say on social yeah. media, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm sorry to see him go. I've learned a lot from him. I grew and, and grew as a professional and, and as an athlete. I mean, and that's one. It, this is one of the examples of that, actually, is a situation where this team is pretty seems pretty solid, you know, as far as mentality is concerned and understanding what their role is on the club. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of those players they have a lot of respect for, for Joe. Uh, they, they suit his style and he's just a gentleman. He's just down, he's so down to earth. And you can see that the group work, works well with him. He probably isn't as ruthless as other managers in the league. Um, and sometimes you need to be ruthless. I absolutely mm-hmm. get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he just has sort of like a family group at Arsenal and he has a he has a way of playing and and, he, and he's done very very well um, when you reflect on it at the end of the season uh, when he goes I think people will understand just how well he has done um, would, would would he have liked another league title would he have liked another FA Cup would he have liked another Continental Cup yes absolutely uh, and football is all about success but he's done much more for Arsenal than just winning trophies so he's 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 developed players. I'm going to point out Leah Williamson, for example. I mean, Leah Williamson always thought she was great, and now with Joe's management and 
how he's developed her, I, and I think she's world class. And it, uh, he's helped so many players. Lotto would be more. For example, this season coming back from America, I don't think anybody expect. I think her attitude's been fantastic, by the way. And, and of course, that she's trained and, and she's been fantastic. So, as at an individual level, but with Joe's management as well, I think that's taken her on to that next level as well. Um, so, yeah, look, I think he's developed so many players as well. And he's left Arsenal in a good place. Now it's up to whoever comes in uh, to, to to develop it even more and, and then take it to the next level. And, and I believe that the next level will be will be quite scary for, for teams. And again, the, the squad, okay, people say he likes a small squad, but again, it helps him because injuries haven't helped. We all know that. Um, but with, the, with a small squad, he allows and he gets with, you know, to coach every single player. Um, and he and he has time with every single player, and that might be different with a bigger squad because it's hard because there's so many more players. So I think the squad, the small squad, ha- has helped him. But I think we say small squad, and it's a smaller. It's it's. I wouldn't say it's a small squad, but it's smaller than what obviously a Chelsea and a Manchester City are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just like looking at a few, you know, a few statistics, um, you know, in terms of. Uh, you know, uh, goaltending. I was trying to look up something real quick here. All right. Uh, there's the number. There it is. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, both of them, you know, both the goaltenders have been very solid, uh, you know, statistically, you know, I mean, the stats, you know, favors Innsberger, you know, but I think she, yeah. you know, she's also played more yeah, um, in terms of her save percentage and so forth. But, um, you know, but again, I mean, it's just been a solid job, you know, on the defensive side, um, you know, in terms of, you know, as we were talking about all those clean sheets and just not giving up chances, but looking specifically at, you know, last Sunday against Brighton, we, we you know, we talked about how that might be, you know, that might be a pretty tough game. And because, you know, Brighton is always very solid. Um, yeah. They're coached very well. They're very organized uh, and so forth. And tell us a little bit more about how that, that game played out on Sunday uh, with Brighton. Um, I'm just glad it's over, to be honest. Um <laughs> Brighton, Brighton, or Brighton, they're so awkward. Um, and, and, and credit to them. And mm-hmm. Joe Mont, Joe Montemaro praised them after the game because they were so difficult, you know, to break down. I watched that game on Sunday, and, and I said to myself, I'm not surprised that they have taken points of Chelsea, Man City, and Manchester United this year because they're so well set up, and they frustrated Arsenal for large parts of the game and. Arsenal on, on Sunday, it was a scrappy game, to be honest. Didn't think it was vintage. It certainly wasn't vintage Arsenal. I thought the quality of the game, it could have been better. could have been a lot better, but I think a, a lot of that's down to how bright the approach the game. I think... Cause they were just I, I, think so, I think so, Josh. I think I, a lot of credit needs to go to Brighton. Yeah, and they were, they were really well set up. Um, and they were, they were quite good in the counter-attack. If... They were a bit more clinical, and maybe they could have got something out of the game. Um, but Arsenal took took their chances when when they came about. Jordan Nobbs with with two, who was who was different class on the day. I didn't think Arsenal were that fluid on Sunday against Brighton. I thought again they were scrappy and their passing was quite poor. But it was a it was a professional performance, as they would say. It was they got the three points. They got out. Of, they got out of there. And, that's all they need to do was just to win the game, and, and that's exactly what they did. But yeah, not a not a particularly brilliant performance, and uh, and again, Hope Pyle said Brighton up really, really well, um, and the frustrated Arsenal for a large majority of it. Yeah, and I mean Hope Powell is is one of my favorite managers in the in the WSL, and the reason why is because her ability to get her squad as organized, resolute, uh, frustrating opponents that, that want to keep the ball and want to create all these goal scoring opportunities and, and just whip the ball around and all over the place. Brighton just frustrates them for a 90 full minutes. And then, you know, then every now and then what'll happen is they'll get that counter, they'll nick a goal. And then all of a sudden you're down one nil or you're in a, in a fight uh, and, and so forth that she's done. I love managers who do, 
uh, do a lot with little, you know, because clearly Brighton's yeah. the talent on Brighton's team is no match for an Arsenal and a Chelsea and United, but they've been able to take points or, or get into real fights with, with all of them just because of just being defensively resolute and organized and not, uh, you know, not, not backing down. And they, and yeah, that's the thing I give them credit for. And that's, that's a lot on the manager. That's a lot on her. I mean, you know, you look at the numbers and the numbers really don't tell the whole story. And, and as sometimes they don't, you know, but you know, it's a typical Arsenal performance. You know, they had 71% possession, 85% passing accuracy, 723 attempted passes, 18 shots, but only six of them on target. That goes to the kind of the frustration piece, uh, you know, of having to take all these sort of shots from long, longer range. Um, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you know, clinical quality, you know, you have to be clinical in order to get through that, that resolute defense and Jordan Nobbs, who's been one of, you know, one of the top players. And I think sometimes is undersold, undervalued by some, um, you know, comes through again, you know, she gets a brace 27th minute and 77th minute. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I sort of I was saying to you before, like throughout when I've been on this podcast, I said Arsenal are a much better team with, with Jordan Nobbs in it because she's so versatile. She can play as an 8 to 10, and then where she was on, on, on Sunday, she was out wide, and she's been quite good out wide this season, uh, floating about there. And she's created space for herself and, and others to get to get shots away. Um, but Arsenal, yeah, like Nobbs took both, both goals very well. Um, and she was in the right right place at the right time, but her Danielle van der Donk was very very good on on Sunday. Um, so it was between Jordan Nobbs and, and van der Donk for me for the Player of the Match award. Um, I thought van der Donk was was key. I thought she, she put in a few very very good balls into the box that, that caused Brighton problems, and she was key to when Arsenal pressed. Uh, she also. She turned over the ball a few a few times as well. So Nobbs and Van der Donk were were very very good um, on, on Sunday. But again, it was a game that Arsenal did have. I wouldn't. They didn't. They didn't really create all that much. Arsenal. Uh, they didn't have that many chances. They were sort of. But it was it was a controlled performance. Yeah. I mean, no, they didn't. I mean, their XG in the match was two. And they got two yeah. goals. So, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it's, it, that's okay. I mean, in terms of creating chances and I mean, they had 25 shot creating actions during the match. They had, you know, two, of course the two goal creating actions. But uh, one of the things I found interesting in the statistics is uh, Vivian Miedema had five shot creating actions herself and had eight shots herself. <laughs> also, yeah. uh, she was highly active in that match as well. Um, and so forth. But if you could give the, you can only give that player the match award, the one, which one you need to give being a one, who are you going to give it to? You're going to give it to the knobs, or you're going to give it to Vanderdom? It's a great question. Do you know what? I said on my Twitter, you can't cut it in half with a with a saw. No, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm actually going to go Vanderdom. To be okay. honest, I All mean, right. I know Knobs no, cool. no, 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 scored the two goals, which is mm-hmm. which is which is which is great. Uh, but I thought Vanderdom, because in, in terms of creating those goals, was key. And she, she played a big influence in the game. And if if you look for the second goal, her ball into Miedema, uh it was it was incredible. It was it, actually it came from a throw in, and she picked the ball up just past that, just be like just before the halfway line. She split. It was it was an unbelievable pass into Miedema, who then played it onto Mead, and, and Mead was unselfish to score for Nobbs to score, but. Without that pass from Van der Donk, that goal doesn't happen. Uh, I thought Van der Donk brought a lot. Do you know what? If you look at if you look at Daniela Van der Donk in the WSL, and you look at her performances against Brighton, Brighton are one of her favorite teams to play against. She always performs well against Brighton. There's just there's those players. I mean, Van der Donk is consistent is consistently good. Don't get me wrong, but there's those players who who just prefer playing certain teams. I don't really know what it is. But Van der Donk against Brighton is a perfect opponent for her because Arsenal like the overload. And with her movement, it, it causes Brighton a lot of problems. 
I don't really know why that is, but Van der Donk will always play against Brighton because of her performances against them. I, I, I've absolutely no idea why she performs so well against them. I think it's because of her movement and how good her movement is, and that suits Arsenal because Brighton are very, as we said, they're organised, so they're always going to have to come out and the surround Van der Donk who can then pick those passes into the space. So, yeah, man of, man, player of the match on, on Sunday for me. Sorry, sorry, Jordan, but it'd be, it'd be valid that for me. <laughs> All right, so let's put. So that was a that was a, a a somewhat at times frustrating performance, but a professional performance by Arsenal. They got the clean sheet. They got yeah. the three points. They move on, and then the, possibly a slippery match with West Ham yesterday, uh, because you know playing in midweek and then having to play again on Sunday against a tough team in Everton. So tell us a little bit about West and West Ham yesterday. Kind of what how did that play out? West Ham and Brighton. I if if you, if you had a DVD of that game, of both of those games, you'd say you'd be watching the same game. It was sort of a carbon copy to the Brighton game. West Ham frustrated Arsenal for a large majority of the game. Arsenal had two goals to disallowed for for offside, uh, for Caitlin Ford and, and Jordan Nobbs. Um, but again, Arsenal. Again, it was just a professional performance. And I, I said last night on, on my social media, the last two games, we've seen a different side to Arsenal over these last two games. It's been gritty. They've dug in. They've had to dig in because the opposition were, were frustrating them. And, and, and again, they got, they got the job done. But Arsenal showed their ultimate professionalism last night. Last night, was it was a really... The conditions don't help, but both teams have to play in those conditions the rain and it was just again it wasn't a, a free flowing game um, they took the lead um, just in, in, in the first half Viviana Miedema with a Viviana Miedema goal what else can you say about her now mm-hmm. I mean, yep. it was it was it was an incredible strike first touch from outside the box and she find the top corner and then it took again West Ham frustrated them and it took until late on for the second one to arrive Kim Little Great, great pass by by uh, Miedema in the build up to that goal. Uh, if you haven't watched it and, and you're listening to the podcast, then I would I would recommend it just to watch the goal. Miedema passes it. Katie McCabe plays a cross field ball into Noel Maritz, who I thought Maritz was 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 fantastic uh, on Wednesday against West Ham. Probably, in my opinion, her best her best performance in an Arsenal shirt. Uh, she was my player of the match last night. I thought she was key to everything Arsenal did in terms of going forward um, and she played a key part in, in both goals but she flicked it on to Kim Little and I thought no way is she going to score from here because it was a, it was a tight angle uh, Mackenzie Arnold was, was coming out the West Ham goalkeeper but she, she, she hit it across goal into the bottom corner but again Arsenal got the job done and now they're three points ahead of Manchester United and it's their one went away from the Champions League Um and in football, yeah, can't always be your best. And Arsenal certainly haven't been at their best in the last two games. In fact, they've been nowhere near their best, in my opinion. But it shows you a sign of a good team when you play nowhere near your best, but you still get six points out of two games. Yeah, and yeah, and I think there has been, a, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's been just sort of a change in mentality of this squad. Whereas people probably, well, people did question their mentality at the mid part of the season and the beginning part of the season when they struggled and were having difficulty closing out games and and um, and struggling against the the top, you know, the upper echelon opponents and things like that. So, but they've really kind of pulled it, you know, you know pulled it together and you know and. and taking care of business uh and that's really kind of been their attitude like all right we're just going to go out there we're going to take care of business we're going to get the three points we don't really care if it's one nil three nil six nil don't matter we just want to get the three points and move on so talk about but talk about gritty teams teams that have a tendency to frustrate teams that are also resolute and organized that brings us to everton on the road uh so what do you see how how do you see everton how this plays out and can everton play the spoiler you know what what do you think Everton can definitely split the party, yeah. Um, and Arsenal, in my opinion, need to be better than they have been in the last two games to win this game. No disrespect to Ever- or sorry to West Ham and to Brighton, but 
Everton are that left they're a better level of opponents, um, and especially away from home. But Everton are are a strange team. They're quite inconsistent as well. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, last they week, are. They definitely are. Last week, last week they drew nil nil with West Ham. Um, that's a game that I would be expecting Everton to win all day long. Um, so I don't really know what to expect from Everton, but Arsenal are quite good in these games, like we've said before. That don't tend to drop points, and especially knowing now that they've got two games and one win is going to take them into the Champions League. Well, they don't need any extra motivation for it. Mm-hmm. So this weekend, obviously, if Arsenal win, then then it is Champions League football next season. Let's just get the job done as early as possible. So you have to fancy Arsenal for this weekend. Um, just to just to again, I expect it to be like a West Ham and a Brighton game. It's going to take a gritty performance, um, and it's going to it's going to take them to dig in because with Everton again, they'll frustrate, but. I do expect Arsenal just to have a bit too much and uh, to overcome them. Um, and then obviously you've got Viviana Miedema, who she doesn't care about personal awards, but obviously Sam Kerr is in Champions League action this weekend, so um, she can go outright top goal scorer for the Golden Boot race. So that might motivate her. Who knows? Yeah, I mean they're still. I mean they're both tied at the. If I'm right, they're tied at the the top of the Golden Boot yeah. race. And I mean it's really only th- those two at this point. And we're sitting on 18 uh, and so forth. I mean Everton's run of form is yeah, it is weird. You know, four nil against yeah. Birmingham, then lose to Chelsea. Okay, uh, yeah, most everybody loses to Chelsea. Uh, you know, so they lost three nil, and then they turn around and beat Brighton five nil, which was a sh- <laughs> kind of a shocker as far as the scoreline was concerned. Then a three one with Aston Villa that makes sense. Uh, you know, no offense, y'all, no offense, Villa. Uh, <laughs> and, and then, but then drawing to West Ham and and having only an xG of one and giving up an xG of one point nine, but having sixty one percent of possession. Uh, that was a little bit, a little bit strange, um, but yeah, Everton, you know, gets to play. You know, I, I had always had kind of touted Everton as the sp- possible spoilers because they got Arsenal and then Manchester United uh, as their final two matches. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I don't know what Everton squad is going to show up. Um, you know, for this, um, you know, for this match, um, because they can. You know they can nick a win to you know one nil or something crazy like that, or they can be dropped three nil um, and so <laughs> forth. But you're you're thinking based on just ha- w- with all the marbles on the table, as they say, you're thinking Arsenal just be able to pull this thing out. So what are you looking at as far as a scoreline? You looking at another two nil, one nil, three nil? Yeah, I'm looking at. I'm, I'm going to go. I was thinking one nil, but no, I'm going to go two nil again. Um, I think again it'll be a it'll be like I said it's going to be another frustrating game, but I just expect Arsenal knowing that a win will will get them into the Champions League, and, and that's obviously the aim. Last day of the season against Aston Villa, do you really want to go into that game? I like I, don't get me wrong, I expect Arsenal to go and beat Aston Villa, but do you really want to be going into that game on the last day of the season with pressure on your shoulders and Aston Villa? Fighting rele or fighting relegation, absolutely not. So just let's get the job done uh, as quick as possible. So I think this weekend they'll, uh, I honestly do believe that they'll come out and, and they'll see it through. Yeah, for uh, for United fans, Tottenham fans, and maybe some neutrals out there, they would love to see Arsenal trip up. <laughs> and then it go be have an exciting end of the you know exciting end of the uh, the yeah. Champions League qualification race on the last day, trying with United having to play Everton and then uh, Arsenal playing it uh, against Villa uh, and so forth. So, um, but they, they, I, I, I look, I look, yeah, I, I look at Arsenal getting the job done. Um, you know, at this yeah. point, I, I just don't. I really don't see any other result besides maybe probably another two nil. I, I think the clean sheet keeps going. That that streak keeps going too. Um, I agree I with that so. and so forth and so forth. So you still taking Miedema in the Golden Boot? Do you know what? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going to doubt her. You can't, <laughs> you, 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 you can't. You can't doubt her. So. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Made him a golden boot. Yeah, not when, not when she has like eight shots in one game. Yeah, 
uh, and so forth, like she had against, you know, against Brighton um, and so forth. And I mean, quality goal, though, that, that she had, yeah, that, that, that goal was just top notch. That uh, that was an excellent goal. Uh, it's one of those goals you just like watch over and over again because it was yeah. well done. You know, rule of thumb, everybody with heart, don't give her any space. <laughs> just don't give her any space. You know, and she just made some space for herself and it wasn't a whole lot either. And then she's just like, okay, let's just pop it right into the corner. Uh, yeah, solid, solid. Um, and so forth. I hope for, for Arsenal fans sake, y'all sake that, you know, y'all can somehow get a contract done with her to keep her on board, but who knows how that's going to play out. We'll, we yeah. can talk about that another time. Josh, thank you so much for joining no us today uh, and so forth. Um, we are, and I want to remind everyone out there that we are going to participate in the social media blackout that is on its way coming up on Friday. We will start our, the social media blackout here on our end at 10 a.m. on Friday, which means because the blackout starts at 3 p.m. on uh, in England and so forth. We'll be participating in that. So there will be no posts uh, from us. We will record, but we will not uh, release any videos or anything uh, during the blackout period. So uh, we'll be joining the, everyone else in the social media blackout against the online abuse, the disgusting online abuse that's been happening. Uh, something's got to be done about it. Um, and so forth. So we'll be taking part in that in support of everyone over on the other side of the pond, as they say. And that's the first time I've ever used that phrase. Okay. So thank you so much, Josh, and look forward to seeing you uh, next week uh, and so forth. No problem. Yeah, all good. All right. So we got to close it out. This is the fourth of four uh, weekly features for this week uh, and so forth. So we all going to take a breather now and, and get geared up for this weekend and so forth. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. Smash a like on the video, share the video on your social media platforms until the blackout happens. And then, uh, you know, if you like what you, you like, what you see, you like what you hear, you know, share with your friends, share with everyone. Word of mouth has really grown this video cast, this podcast exponentially. My budget for, for advertising is, is less than zero. Uh, second plug for that movie, by the way. Um, Robert Downey Jr. Great job. Um, but you know, just word of mouth has really done well for this podcast. Just share with your friends and share with everyone, retweet, do whatever you need to do to share with people. Um, because I think we got a good thing going here. Um, so in closing, remember the light is out there. Please acknowledge it. Please know that it is there. Also, we got to acknowledge, which we will be and have been acknowledge that the darkness is out there. Uh, and do not let the darkness hug you under any circumstances. But if it does, if it tries, please get help for yourself, help each other, take care of yourself, take care of each other. And we're going to close this out. Goodbye. Thank you so much, everybody, for all your support. Have a good one. Take care. And 